Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Top Rank Podcast. I'm your host, Rami Rank, and with us today, we have Mr. Short Game himself, Matt Fisher. Matt is a uh, golf expert. If you have seen his videos on YouTube, you're familiar with him. If you have not, though, uh, Mr. Short Game here does everything from equipment reviews to course vlogs to tips, tricks, training videos, everything, and he is just uh, fantastic, a wonderful human being, and I'm honored to absolutely have him here today. So, Matt, how you doing? Doing great. That was an awesome intro. I feel uh, I feel good. Thank you. <laughs> you should feel very honored. Not many people get to uh, be here. This is a good. This is a big thing. I like it. I'm I'm I, I'm grateful to be here. Thanks, Robbie. Thank you. So, Matt, I got to ask you. So, I know uh, just from your videos and everything, the first time you golfed was with your grandfather. How old were you when you first started? I was 18, uh, Thanksgiving Day. So, um, yeah, I'm young, but older. You know, in terms of picking it picking up the game. And did that bug just like bite you immediately? Like you became instantly obsessed or? It did. You know, I had a buddy who worked at a driving range. And so I would go there and hit balls. And then he was, you know, then my grandfather knew I was hitting balls. So he took me out. And then, yeah, for sure. I was like, it was one of those things where you're, it's so frustrating that you just got to dive in and figure this thing out. And you know, whatever. I'm still trying to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think every person that golfs is still trying to do that. I mean, you you see even like Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, those types of things. They're like, yeah, I'm working on my swing. Like really? How how much better is it going to get? You know, you're, you're way up there at the top already. So you you jump into it immediately. Now that first time that you went out and played with your grandfather, had you had any lessons or anything, or was it just you hitting balls at the range? And then you went out there from that. Yeah. Just hitting balls at the range. And, um, and then went out and played. That was my first time on course. You know, I wanted my first time to be on the course with my grandfather. So, you know, I'm glad I did that because my buddy was like, let's go play. You should get ready. You should play to, so you're not look like an idiot out there. And I said, no, no, no. My first round ever, I got to be with my grandfather. So, um, yeah, it was a mess to say the least. I mean, I was all over the planet. Well, I, I don't know anybody who had a great first round, I think, but uh, your th- first round, I think, trumped mine. I think I was somewhere around like 135, 150, and then my buddy's just, you know, saying, just pick up the ball and just walk with us at this point. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was close to that. I was, yeah. <laughs> I know, but once you start getting better, it's amazing. Now, I have to ask, so now, when Calvin P passed away, you gave him a shout out, uh, crediting him for you in golf. So did you have a relationship with him? Like, how, how, how did that all come about? No, I had heard his story and just how he picked the game up later, like about the same age I was. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he goes on tour and he kind of had a funky swing and no real, I I don't believe he really had much instruction or if at all, it's kind of his own thing. And so it was just as somebody who picked it up later, I was just inspired by the guy, how he could go do that and be so good. So I always said like, look, if he could do it, you know, I might have a chance, you know, or it's possible. Well, that's the thing. So, it's like, you know, j- just about anything you have to look at it and say, well, you know, if somebody else can be successful, then why can't I be successful at it too? You know, you kind of, you just keep working at it and, you know, you find your way through. And then, so eventually, you know, you end up at San Diego State and you play for, San- you played, uh, you played competitively for San Diego, right? Yeah, I played one season with the San Diego State team, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, it was a miracle. I even made the team, but, uh, you know, it worked out for that one season, kind of like my last year of college. So I was able to play there and just that's where I really, I think, got good that yeah. short time there. So what was it? Just to playing you- every day with people, people oh, who are just better than me, what, mm-hmm. what I needed, you know, I think everybody needs that. 
So were they, uh, you know, basically giving you tips and tricks and drills or were you just, you know, focused and you're out there at the driving range and at the practice facility every day, just doing everything you can to get better? Yeah, it was a practice every day. And, you know, I, so I grew up more like I had a kind of a wrestling background in high school. So I just went with that mentality of like, okay, I just have to outwork everybody. Uh, so I was there more than everybody else, but they were still had so much more experience than me, but it was more that we were just able to practice together and, you know, playing with better players. I think that's even better than getting any swing tips from them or anything. It's just going out and, and seeing great shots all the time. It really makes you step up your game. And it's interesting because golf, you know, so much is thought about as very much of an individual sport, but you know, there is that, you know, aspect of who you're playing with. You learn so much from being around others. For sure. And that's what, that's what would help anybody uh, just to get out there. And some people don't want to do it because they're like, oh, I'm not good enough to play with these guys. I, I was not, you know, I was of the 12 of us on the team at the time, I was like number 10 or nine or 10 or 11. Like I was kind of on the higher, you know, but I didn't care. I was like throwing myself in the deep end. And I said, look, this, and I even said, you know, at that young age, I knew that this was a short window of opportunity, just even being so young and not very bright still. I knew this time was short and I was going to make the most of it. I didn't care what happened. I failed a class. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I, I, I made it up in the summer. Like I didn't care about any of that. I said, this is never going to happen again. I'm going to just consume as much of it as I possibly can. So you had that like, you know, powerful passion and drive, you know, for it. Did you try to pursue golf as a career right after college or did you, you know, immediately just say, now I got to go to the workforce? Yeah, I thought about it. I thought about pursuing golf and I was, I was there. And after college, I was like, okay, um, I could either, you know, I didn't have the resources or any money to go pursue it. So in order for me to do kind of look at the big picture and said, okay, I'm going to have to live in my car. I'm going to have to somehow get good. And it wasn't, honestly, I was really considering just going all in mm -hmm. and I didn't care. And, uh, but I also had a passion to be in the, uh, television and film industry. Mm -hmm. So that was just as much of a passion for me as well as to be in that world. So I had an, an open door there. So, and I didn't have an open door in terms of golf other than, you know, the living in the trunk of my car, driving around the country. So right. I decided to go the Hollywood route. And so then I said, look, I'll make money over there. And then I could use that money to just work on my golf game. So what was that open door that you had? What was that first job that you had after college? It was at a production company in uh, whatever, 1995. Mm -hmm. And they had just landed a couple, two accounts. One was the direct TV account and another one was called the popcorn channel. So they were exploding with business. You know, direct TV didn't do any, they just aired movies. So they needed a company to go make uh, TV spots and little trailers and little mm -hmm. segments, uh, like behind the scenes stuff of all these films that they were acquiring. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And I was able to do a ton of stuff. So were you writing and directing and, these spots or what were you doing for them? Yeah, I was editing and, you know, writing some and producing some stuff. So, you know, I really got to do a lot real quick. So were you given a lot of freedom to do this type of promo work or was it just like, okay, here's the creative, this is what it is, go ahead and, you know, make this? Yeah, it was, uh, at first it was like, hey, here's the script, you know, go do your thing or you're, you're assisting somebody else, you know, learning the ropes. And then pretty quickly it got to, hey, we're so busy, just here's the tape of the movie or the TV show, 
you know, go put a spot together. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, that, that's a lot of freedom there. Now, um, now then after that, I was just looking through, you know, a lot of your credits and stuff and you worked for Bellum Entertainment eventually where I'm just reading your description. It sounds like you were almost like a development executive for those guys. No, yeah, not really. I was, uh, they were a smaller company. So again, I preferred that and they did a lot of TV shows. And so I was, I was primarily their editor. Mm -hmm. And then that transitioned to, I would direct and produce some content for them. And I would shoot a lot of, of stuff for them as well. So as they grew and started doing more, uh, a lot of true crime dramas and stuff, we would, I would be able to shoot some of the um, recruit, you know, reenactment scenes and some of the uh, interview shoots. So, so now, I had my hand in a lot of different things with that company. Were you doing these interview shoots at a studio of theirs? Did you build a home studio? Because I mean, I, from everything I've ever seen, you're very resourceful with, you know, everything that you have. So <laughs> yeah, if you they, had a studio at home, I would not be shocked. <laughs> close they we rented a, a place to go shoot the interviews but a lot of it was my yeah my resources like when I got in there I was we were renting an edit bay so mm -hmm. I said to them hey I'll buy an edit bay why don't you rent it from me so they they agreed so then I shortly after that they're renting three edit bays from me because so I now you're a little post-production house that's amazing yeah so I said I'm gonna I'll buy these things and you rent it from me and so it was a great it was a great income for a while. I did the same kind of thing with how we did shooting. So mm -hmm. they said, hey, can you shoot an interview? I said, yeah, of course I could shoot an interview. And then I bought a green screen. I bought a, the lights. I got all the stuff. I got all the cameras. And then we're renting a studio. And so it just, a, a lot of me and you know, some of um, some whatever studios we rented to. Did, so did you try to keep growing that business? I mean, because, you know, basically at this point, you're a camera grip electric and, you know, post house, you're, you're, yeah. you're a mini universal, you're covering a lot of ground. It was uh, pretty hectic. It was fun. And so I was trying to be careful because I saw the growth, but I also saw kind of the demise of the company happening at the same time. So, yeah, you know, no. So I try to minimize my risk as much as possible, but it's hard because you're doing well and then things are, it, there's always that kind of carrot at the end of the, the rope of, hey, if I buy more stuff, I get to do more stuff. Right. But uh, all my cookies were in one jar with Bellum Entertainment and they eventually went under. It's a whole, um, whole E! True Hollywood story in and of itself, what happened with them. But so that'll be the next no episode. Longer. Yeah, they're no longer around, let's just put it that way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, all of us have worked in entertainment, have worked for, uh, you know, one Bellum Entertainment or another. <laughs> Watched a couple of, couple of small companies with a lot of very big dreams just go splat. Um, so yeah, yeah. Now, uh, one, one thing which is funny is that a lot of folks don't realize, you know, Mr. Short Game wasn't your first big foray into doing the videos. Uh, there was Golf Mat that you did back in uh, 2007. And which, you know, from what I've seen is a lot of videos of teaching juniors how to play golf. What got you going that you wanted to do this? I know that you said that when you wanted to uh, work in entertainment, that was going to finance golf, but you started producing quite a bit mm -hmm. of content. So, yeah, I, you know, had kids and I had set up a little net in my garage and stuff. And then my little son, who was, you know, whatever, two, he could stand up, he started hitting balls. And so I would give him little drills to do with the plastic balls. and as that you know progressed i would video some of the stuff and i you know i wanted a place to put it and so youtube was just you know beginning so i said look i'll just upload the videos there as like the place where i keep my you know home movies type of thing a lot of people did that 
But then I said, look, I want to keep these drills. I think they're good. I want to come back and know what I did to help my kids. So I would upload a lot of these drills and kind of just do it as, you know, as if I'm like they're a coach or, um, or something like that. So, so that other people could benefit from it too. So I kept putting me out there. And then, uh, as my, you know, production skills grew, I would get, I got some clients, one in particular, uh, my friend from amateurgolf.com, he hired me to do some videos for him. So a lot of the videos we would do for him were like spec spots, which are just like examples of uh, things that he could then send to a company like Titleist or whoever and say, hey, here's what we could put together for you. Here's what it looks like. So we would house that on my YouTube channel. And again, people started watching this stuff. So how was so the overall response? I mean, were you building up like a decent sized audience with this? It was very small at the time. Mm-hmm. I think over the whatever from 2007 till like 2017, like 10 years of videos, I had maybe 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. Well, I mean, it's nothing it's not to blink an eye at. That, it, it's not huge, but yeah, that, that's, that's, that's 2,000 people that you don't necessarily know that are, you know, watching your content. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and at first, I didn't think anything of it. I never thought it would be a career at all. I just thought it was, a okay, here's a place where I can put content. And there were no golfers doing any of that stuff on YouTube back then, or maybe one guy. Like, it was just two of us. Yeah. And I didn't, I was like, this will never be a career. Like, this golf, like, I could see <laughs> movie reviews or other big channels happening, but I was like, I don't think golf would ever be on YouTube as a profession. I never even thought that until well, it's kind, whatever, it's kind of funny because then you come back to it full circle and uh, you know, you kind of explode. I mean, did, did you ever think yeah. that your viewership would get to the level that it's at now? Do, you know, for those of you who are listening, you know, Matt just recently passed the hundred thousand subscriber mark, which is, you know, fantastic. And congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, that was a shock. So after the demise of Bellum, Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm in the freelance world now, which I ne- had never really been in to any real, like, you know, large scale at all. So I'm bouncing around and I land um, and get some work at a company called Maker Studios. Mm-hmm. And they're really known for being kind of the first uh, multi-channel network, they say, where they would combine a whole bunch of YouTubers together or you know, get them to join their network and then they would go ahead and promote them. So they needed a bunch of editors at the time. So I would do some freelance work for them. And then I'm editing, doing videos for other YouTubers and some of which I'm looking at their stuff and I'm thinking, shoot, they're paying a lot of money to promote this person. Some of my videos have more views than they're getting and yeah. they're paying me to edit their videos. So it didn't make a lot of sense. And then they got <laughs> bought out by Disney Yes. And so then Disney kept me going. I'm like, okay, Disney's putting a ton of money. And I mean, they bought them for a billion something dollars. So it, and then, then that's when I started thinking like, Hey, I could do this for myself because uh, I've been teaching juniors for a long time and mm-hmm. teaching golf. And so I could, I could do what I had been doing with the videos I had already made. And one of them got like 100,000 views. And so I said, okay, there's some potential here. And then some of my friends started uh, encouraging me to go that route. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, it's clearly a good route to have gone. I mean, you've got a huge talent for this. And, uh, you know, honestly, that's where I first found you was I was uh, looking up uh, videos about uh, Rustic Canyon and uh, tips mm-hmm. and tricks for playing that course. And uh, I found one of your vlogs playing it. And, you know, I immediately realized that you were a very, very, very good golfer. And I was a very, very bad golfer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very quick thing to learn. Um, but I mean, it's really amazing. And, you know, it's fun, though, because when you watch the progression of your videos, you know, a lot of these you started in your backyard and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you watch you building equipment out there and, you know, then you're doing the videos at Rustic and then eventually at Braemar. And now yeah. with everything that's going on, you're kind of back to the backyard. And so does that give you a little bit of a sense of nostalgia here? <laughs> it does. So when I wanted to go into this YouTube world full time, I was like, okay, I need to make money. So I wanted to, I needed to do lessons. Yeah. So that, cause that's how I can, you know, at least pursue golf full time, wanting to do my videos, but I need some income right away. So no course would hire me to come in and, and teach. They just, mm-hmm. they wouldn't. And, uh, I, you know, I tried everywhere, so I couldn't do it. So I said, well, uh, I'll do it in my backyard. So I set up my net, I built out my net, filmed me doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, uh, started getting some students back there. So, uh, then, then rustic let me come over there so that was great and yeah. then braemar brought me in over there and it was all pretty much because of the youtube channel that opened those doors later i never thought that would happen it, it's but, kind of amazing because you're, you're you're like a self-established expert at that point and it's like oh yes great yeah. absolutely bring them in bring them in <laughs> yeah then they wanted me so it was pretty neat so then this whole you know coronavirus comes around and we're whatever stay at home so i'm thinking shoot, I'm built for this. I got this down. I, yeah. I'm already set up. I'm like, this is a, this I is mean, you're, you're a week ahead of all the other golf YouTubers who are all showing you how they were building, you know, their practice setups at home. Like Matt's already ready. This is great. Yeah. I was, I'm ahead of my time. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's very impressive now. So for a lot of folks that one of the toughest things about not being able to go to the golf course is that, you know, the practice that you do, it's in your own backyard or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. if you find an empty park, you can, you know, hit a couple of chip shots there. But the big limitation is that, you know, when you're just hitting into a net, you don't get the same type of feedback that you would do as if you're at a range, you could see like your full ball flight. So, you know, assuming that you're mm-hmm. not able to afford a sky track or, you know, a GC quad or something like that, you know, what would yeah. you recommend for folks, you know, right now that want to just practice in their backyard best ways for them to get feedback on what they're doing, you know, so that they know they're not just completely screwing up their swing. Yeah. Uh, good point. Now, just a little background, like I learned at home mm-hmm. and I didn't even have a net back then. I mean, I was hitting wiffle balls. Nice. So that's how I got good. I, Cause I didn't have any money, you know, mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20 years old. I'm a college student. I, you know, I didn't have money to go hit balls. Even though my buddy worked at the range, he got fired. So we didn't get free balls anymore. <laughs> so you, the, I want people to know, like, you can get really good. And a lot of great players have a background of learning in a net. So mm-hmm. it's, it's more about making solid ball contact than anything. Like, you know when you make good ball contact, um, hitting into a net or not. Like, you know, that's you true. learn yeah. what the difference is. So the more you can fa- uh, practice good, solid ball contact, that's going to translate, even if you're hooking it or fading it a little bit later when you go on the course, that's going to be easy to work out. But I think the things that you can use are, there's cheap uh, little launch monitors that, that you can get that can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, look into things like that. And then uh, 
the wiffle balls are great too, because if you want to hit them over your house or something, or I, in college, I would hit it in my apartment down yeah. the hallway into my room. And <laughs> so awesome. I would get, you know, like a four iron, I could tell if it was hooking or fading at least. And so um, I've never heard the my roommate walked out pretty of impressive. His, <laughs> you know, well, you get good. My roommate did walk out of his room. Yeah. It was right next to my room, right as I swung and I'm, I flinched and the club <laughs> flew out of my hand and stuck in the ceiling. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, things can happen. So you, so you care- didn't get your deposit back is what you're saying. No, no. We, uh, <laughs> we might've just left the keys on the counter and snuck out at midnight. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. <laughs> That's pretty good though. <laughs> so be careful, but there's things you can do like in terms of that. And then I would always chip just, 10 yard chips into like this old coffee can mm-hmm. so you could really get that's the short game is um if you could chip like that or even in my apartment i would chip off the carpet just onto the couch and try not to go too high so little things like that would um there's that's a lot cool. you can do man you got to be resourceful so I guess that, you know, that like, cause you see all these different types of training aids out there and it's like, you know, like I, I love looking at those, uh, like the chipping nets where it's, you know, you got a couple of targets. Yeah. So is that, you know, basically what you should be trying to do then when you're using yeah. those things is just, you know, aim for each of the individual holes and, you know, see how well you can get those in there, you know, based on your attack angle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a great way. I mean, if you want to buy the nets, great. If you want to get a little, uh, uh, can chip in a can or whatever, you know, if you don't want to spend any money, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. One of the things you may have seen was that Titleist ladder challenge where they're hitting the box. Of yes. The so I have that. I've been practicing it. Uh, and that's a great thing to do at short range because it gives you feedback of, you know, how high you're hitting your wedge. If you use the same wedge mm-hmm. and you just kind of go up the ladder, knocking a cup or something off of the ladder or just hit it through the slats of the ladder. Even mm-hmm. uh, it will give you, you when you go on the course, you know, like even if you're not focused on how far it's going, you know how much energy to give that shot and what height to get it. And so when you when you take a ladder drill like that and transfer it to the course, uh, your your touch and feel is going to be off the charts, and you're just going to say, "Oh, I need it through the third rung to land there and roll to the hole." We're perfect. Well, that's pretty cool. So yeah. let me so let me ask you, uh, what is your favorite MacGyver training aid? Because it sounds like you've got a whole bunch of these things that you've done here. Oh my gosh, MacGyver train. Um, I just got one that I never like. I saw it at the PGA show, and I was like, this thing is whatever. It's not. But then another company sent it to me that I kind of have a partnership with. So I did a review of this, and then I, it's called the Sure Set. Uh huh. And it it's got this little ball. It's got a grip and you hold it and it's got this lever that you can adjust and then it sets into your like shoulder as you take a backswing and it really helps you set your arms and hands properly and keep the width in your swing. So I just been using that, man. I played, um, I was out in Arizona where you can actually still play. Oh, nice. uh, Right now. Hey, there's two courses open here still. Yeah, I was hitting it really good. So nice. that's not necessarily a MacGyver one, but, but that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, cool. Oh, I like man. it. That's a pretty good one. And then, uh, all right. So, last question that I have to ask: uh, your your videos always give you a little bit of a peek into your home life. How is it practicing around the chickens? Yeah, you got to be careful when those chickens. So, <laughs> I, I keep them locked up, but they love to come out and they like a little free range time. So, uh, they're really curious animals, mm-hmm. and they cruise over, and you just have to like hold. You know, it's a little just you got to hold your swing when they get close. 
<laughs> I know I've had my uh, yellow lab like walk in front of the net at home, like while I'm trying to you know hit some balls. I'm just like, no, no, Tylee, move, move, move. We can't, we can't do this right now, sweetie. You're gonna get damaged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, it's fun. I love those things. Uh -huh. You know, I guess a lot of people have wanted to see the chickens again. So uh, it's very exciting. You know, There'll be in some that videos else. coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe there's a chicken golf video series or something that you're doing. You're I have seen them in some review videos. Oh, nice. <laughs> With the, there was a launch, uh, not a launch monitor, a range finder that yeah. has image stabilization. Uh -huh. So I got the chicken and I wiggled it around so you could see how his head <laughs> kind of stayed steady. Oh, that's you know? cool. All yeah, right, so I'm going to have to look up that video. I like that. That's, awesome. that's the technology of the chicken and the range finder. Excellent. So, I mean, you know, being stuck home with Corona really hasn't slowed you down at all. I mean, I still see videos coming out, you know, every couple of days from you right now. It's pretty, then they're all great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and um, this next couple of weeks should be good because I took a trip to Arizona. Uh huh. Stayed, you know, we did. Gosh, I was just with one person, really, pretty much. We stayed away from everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, uh, you know, as safe as you can possibly get. But Arizona courses are open, and uh, so it was good. You know, we got a lot of good content out there. That's fantastic, man! I can't wait to see it. All right. Well, Matt, seriously, thank you so, so much for uh, joining me here today. Um, why don't you give uh, just some information where everyone can find you, find your channel on YouTube and whatnot? Yeah, just search uh, Mr. Short Game on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. But YouTube's the main platform. So if you just search Mr. Short Game, you'll, you'll find me. Definitely search for Matt. His videos are great. If you're trying to get into golf, if you want to learn more about golf, if you're already a great golfer, seriously, look him up, watch his videos, like, subscribe, enjoy. Uh, thank you very much for joining uh, me here today for uh, this episode of the Top Rank Podcast. If you're doing uh, new content at home right now during Corona, please go ahead, shoot me an email. would love to hear from you at info at the top .com. Again, that's info at the top .com. Thanks so much for joining everybody. Can't wait to talk to you all next time.